Welcome to The Mentor List, a source of sound advice with your host, David Lewis. To seek support and you need to allow yourself to be supported. Really have a point of difference. What is precious, what's really important, and then putting some boundaries there. The Mentor List specialises in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List. Hi, welcome to today's show. Today we have a co-host in with us, Samantha Brown. She's the CEO of Jack, and Jack is fortunate enough to have Dr. John Demartini here in Melbourne. Now, Dr. John Demartini is an international speaker and has had a profound impact on certainly my life and a couple of my friends that have attended his fantastic events. So very blessed and very lucky to have Dr. John Demartini here with myself and Sam Brown, CEO of Jack. So enjoy today's conversation. This is The Mentalist. Okay, so we're here in Melbourne with Dr. John Demartini and Samantha Brown. Um, and yeah, the mentalist first, where we've got three people in a room. Um, so hopefully I'm not hogging the mic. <laughs> Definitely not my intention. Um, so, John, I know you're here for a couple of days, and we we're very fortunate enough through the Jack group last night to have dinner with you. Um, so I'll be asking you about um, two grapes at some point during the interview <laughs> and the, uh, the diet. And you told me that you were 64 years old, uh, which I can't believe. So obviously there's some secrets and tips which we'll uh, start digging into today. Um, so Samantha, or, or Sam, I should say, um, so thanks for joining us also today. So this is part of the um, Jack series under the Mentalist uh, group. Um, and so, yeah, we're looking forward to partnering up and uh, introducing you to our listeners and our listeners will get to know you quite intimately uh, over the next few weeks as we start releasing some Thank other you. great content. Um, so uh, enough about me. Uh, so, John, I guess the first question, as it always is on the mentor list, so for those that don't know about Dr John Demartini, I'm not sure if I need to say doctor, but it just feels right. No, the whole thing um, needs to come out, doesn't it, Dr John Demartini? Yeah, it needs to be like a flow. It feels it feels wrong, like I'm not addressing you. It's not there. Um, so, Dr. John D. Martini, uh, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself if they haven't come across you and your name and, and what you're about? Um, I guess in a nutshell, in a brief uh, thing, I'm I right now full time travel around the world. I research and write every day, and I do presentations roughly around 300 to 400 speeches a year, um, helping people um, fulfill what it is that is most inspiring to them. Primarily entrepreneurs, but it could be other people in different walks of life. And I basically, I write, I research, I travel, and I teach. And I do a lot of interviews, and I do some consulting in between my presentations and my media. Fantastic. And that, I mean, that just, is the epitome of who you are obviously and people trying to fathom that you essentially work that many days of the year which is every day of the year what keeps you going every single day what's it inside of you i mean people can't fathom not having a weekend or you know i haven't had a, a day off you know in 10 days and and we you know bitch and moan around that so you don't what is it inside of you that um, people could try and understand that gets you driven every single day to do that I don't know. I just I I I love doing what I'm doing. Uh, it inspires me. I I get a tremendous amount of feedback from people on the difference that we were able to make, and I think that keeps fueling that. 
But it's been a dream since I was 17 years old to do what I'm doing. So I've been doing it. In November will be 46 years. So I, I don't know if anything, I don't have anything higher on the value list that's higher that I would rather do. So I don't think of this as I have to do this so I can do something else. This is what I love doing. If you, if you got to see what I do every day and the impact that I get to watch happen, uh, you probably do the same. I mean, it's very inspiring. So um, people ask me, what do I do to chill out? <laughs> I go, I, I don't need to chill out. Right. This is what I love doing. So I do um, work pretty well every day. And people go, well, that's neurotic. And I go, OK. Everybody projects their values and what they think is important onto you. And I learned a long time ago that I'm not here to live other people's lives. I'm, I'm here to live my authentic life, my, what, what's meaningful to me. And sometimes that's pleasing to people. In fact, you'll, I'll have people come up to me and said, you know, you're dedicated, you're committed, you're focused, etc., yeah. who have values that are similar. And they'll say, you're rigid, you're stuck, you're neurotic, and you're pig-headed to those that have different values. Yeah. And I honor both. I am both of those to people's perceptions. And I, and I think that I'm grateful for all those. Uh, the, whatever label you want to put on me, I, I know it's true in your perception, so it's fine. <laughs> I, I love researching, writing, traveling, and teaching. And so, 17, it was clear. And when, when were you told that, so was it 18 when you learnt to read? Like there's obviously, there's, there's, there's this huge aspiration. You had a speech impediment if my research has served me correct. Um, you're nodding your head. And so, and now you travel the world and you live on the world, and we can probably jump into that a bit, a bit too because I just think that's fascinating. Um, so how do, you, how do you go from sort of 17-year-old and knowing clearly what you're going to do, and now you're 64, as I mentioned. I don't know why I keep uh, mentioning your age. Luckily, luckily you're not a woman. <laughs> but, um, so how did you get that clarity? Um, <clears throat> when I was living in Hawaii, I was a long-haired hippie surfer. I was living in a tent, and I had dropped out of school. I uh, had learning difficulties. I had speech problems. Um, some people said I was challenged in many ways. But I was blessed to meet a very amazing man at age 17, shortly before 18. I was almost turning 18, who one night in one hour, in one presentation, uh, this one man who was truly an inspired guy, who initiated a change. He, I think he was responsible for opening up a thousand health food stores across America to try to change the culture of health and wellness. Mm. And uh, many celebrities, I think there's about 139 famous people that he had an influence on, including Steve Jobs and right. Donald Trump and myself and Luther Burbank and the Kellogg country, you know, the Kellogg Yep. Um, company. Many of these people were all students of his, and he inspired them to contribute to changes in well-being and health, personal well-being and health, and, and mindset. But that one night, he inspired me with this presentation that I don't know how to describe. I wished I, wished I could have that experience, mm -hmm. I could have recorded that and share it with people. It was a very inspiring thing. And that was the night that he he said that whatever you decide to do tonight will become your destiny. And that was pretty convincing. And mm. I was 17. He was probably 80-something. And I, that night I saw a vision that I didn't know where it came from, but I saw a vision in my head 
of me standing in front of a million people and speaking. And probably because I had such a learning problem, it's probably a dissociative identity disorder. Yeah. <laughs> probably a psychotic split or something. But I was so inspired, I was just brought to tears, and I saw it lucidly in my mind. And luckily, a gentleman from Melbourne, Australia, has actually painted that picture. Mm. And it sits in my office today. It's a big painting. I've of, seen that. It's incredible. It's I was an, there when you were given it. it was a, yeah, you were there. That's right. Yeah, it was incredible. a very inspiring painting. And his name is Andrew Tischler. So mm. if anybody wants an amazing painting mm. or painter, that man is, is amazing. But it, it's a painting of me standing in front of a million people, mm. uh, speaking live mm. um, in, a, in a image that takes an icon building from every major city around the world, because I told him that I wanted to travel the world. Right. And he takes an icon building from every major city of the world, and I'm standing there, and that's all in the background. And, there's, and it's, it is very inspiring. And it captured the very vision I saw when I was 17. And I guess I've been reluctantly, um, or relentlessly, pardon me, of pursuing that vision. And I first, when I first started, I, I, I got so inspired I wanted to overcome my learning problems and my reading problems. And I went to this little health food store, <laughs> uh, Vim and Vigor, and it had this little swirl rack. And there's a book on there that had a picture of a hippie that looked like me, that it was the author of this book called uh, Chico's Organic Gardening and Natural Living. Right. And, and, and because there was a picture of a guy that looked like me on there, I thought, if that guy could write it, I bet I could read it. <laughs> and I got this book. It was the first book I ever tried to read in my life. Yeah. And it was a milestone for me because it had a lot of pictures, luckily. But I actually went through that book and tried to get understanding of it. And I had a friend named Jackie uh, Royd who helped me read that book. He was there, and he helped me read it. And then I went from there to California and then back to Texas, because I was born in Texas. And my mom encouraged me to take a GED, which is a high school equivalency yeah. test. And I was guessed. I just guessed, and I somehow passed. And so now I had me a high school education wow. certificate. And then my, she encouraged me to try to go to a college test, just in case I might ever want to go further into school. And I guessed literally guessed and passed. I, thought, I really felt there was something higher than me somehow. So they're multiple choice type? Yeah, you, yeah. you, you just you take just, a pencil and you <laughs> fill in this little dot. Process and, elimination, yes. And, and I just started guessing. Yeah. And then I went on to take, I, I passed. And now I have entrance into college, and I tried to take a summer school, uh, two classes for summer school, English and history. And my first test two weeks into the summer school class I took the test and I bombed it. I got a 27, you needed a 72. Right. And I was so devastated by the failure of that test that I literally ran to my car, sunk down in there because there were kids around the area, and I was just humiliated. And all I could hear is my first grade teacher who said to my parents when I was in first grade that he'll never be able to read, he'll never be able to write, he'll never be able to communicate, never be able to read or, or, or mount anything or go very far in life because they didn't think I would ever do something. And I remember driving home, crying on the way home, because the vision that I saw about speaking was gone. Right. I couldn't see it. I thought it was just a, a delusion. And I went and I curled up in a fetal position underneath a bed, uh, underneath a, a Bible stand in the living room of my parents' house, which that Bible stand sits in my office today as right. a, a remembrance. But I sat there, and my mom came home from shopping, and she saw me there. And she said, son, what happened? What's wrong? She'd never seen me cry since I left home. I left home at 13. And she, she said, what happened? I said, mom, I blew the test. 
I guess I don't have what it takes. I guess I'll never be able to read or write or communicate. Never mind a thing. Never go very far enough. I just repeated the first grade teacher. Yeah. And she looked at me and she didn't know what to say. And finally, she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, "Son, whether you become a great teacher, healer, and philosopher, and travel the world like you dream, whether you return to Hawaii and ride big waves like you've done, or you return to the streets and panhandle as a bum, which I also did, I just want to let you know your father and I are going to love you no matter what." And when she said that, uh, my hand went into a fist, and I looked up, and I saw that vision. And I said to myself, I'm going to master this thing called reading, I'm going to master this thing called studying, I'm going to master this thing called teaching, and I'm going to do whatever it takes, travel whatever distance, and pay whatever price to give my service of love across planet Earth. Right. And it was, and I'm not going to let any human being on the face of the earth stop me from it, not even myself. And I got up, and I hugged my mom, I went into my room, and I got a dictionary out, and I started memorizing 30 words a day. With the help of my mom, we, we went through and I memorized 30 words a day, day after day after day, until my vocabulary was strong enough to, to understand and be able to pass school. And then I was off and running. I took off and I started reading 18 to 20 hours a day. Wow. I just wanted to read and learn how to read. I started reading encyclopedias. I read eight complete sets of encyclopedias just to catch up with the rest of the kids. And I, I never stopped reading since. And then I started wanting to share, and my teaching career began at starting at age 18. Fantastic. Mm. <laughs> um, so I guess, you know, a lot of people, and I was, I was at your, uh, one of your events last night, which, um, you know, it'd be great if you could share, you know, not all your secrets in that, but maybe touch on some of the content. But a lot of the, um, some of the questions, I guess, leading into that event is, yeah, great, what's... It's okay when you know what you want to do, but how do I find out what that thing is? And it sounds like you were quite clear when you were 17. And you also talked about uh, last night, um, again, you touched on it, about when you're doing the things that you want to do, uh, and we use video games and kids as a great analogy, um, you know, no one has to wake you up in the morning to do that. Um, so I guess if there's someone listening and... Uh, well, there's, some, there's people listening... People listening out there that want to, that know that there's some higher calling or have a feeling in themselves that, shit, I just know there's something different, but don't quite know what it is. What could you tell them? Because I, I imagine that comes up a lot because I, I saw it before the event. Well, it's interesting. Last night after the event, uh, and after almost every event I get to do, uh, people come up and gather around afterwards. I think for about an hour, people were around. And there must have been seven people out of that group that came up to me and said, I don't know what I want to do. And so I just right on the spot took them through a process that helped them define it. And I think we got probably five of those seven really clear. <laughs> it didn't take very long. Right. And I asked people, see, every human being has a set of priorities, a set of values that they live their life by. And whenever they are living congruently with their highest value, they are spontaneously inspired from within to take action. But when they attempt to live by other people's values or lower values on their list of values, they require motivation. And if you require motivation in life, you haven't found your calling. Because we're not, it's not about motivation, it's about inspiration. And so I had a young woman come up to me last night, and then shortly after that, another man come up to me and says, I'm not sure, you know, what do I do? And I said, well, go on my, my value determination process that I have on my website. And it's a complimentary, you know, 13 questionnaire that can assist. And if you do it with integrity and you do it truthfully, it can really help yeah. determine what, what's really you're committed to. What does your life demonstrate? 
because I don't want to know what your fantasies are. I don't want to know what the social idealisms that you've injected from outside sources. I want you to look at what your core actions daily are, because every decision, every perception, every action you take is based on your values. Yeah. So if you look carefully at your life, you'll see it. So I asked this uh, woman and then man, what is it you do every single day that nobody has to remind you to do, that you just love doing? And, and, the, and, and, and the lady said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I said, no, 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 quit the bullshit. What do you do every day, objectively, look at your life, what do you do every day or nearly every day that you consistently do that nobody has to remind you to do? And the, the, young, the young man said, uh, cook, actually. I said, you love cooking? He says, yes. And I said, and, but you also do what? What, is there something else? Because you hesitate on that. Uh, yes. I love actually going on YouTube and looking at cooking channels and looking at people like that and all the entrepreneurs that are great chefs and restaurateurs that are cooking. Mm. I said, would you love to actually be a restaurateur and do part-time cooking and train people and have restaurants and stuff? And he got watery-eyed. And his mother was sitting there. And he got watery-eyed and I said, that's what you really want to do. And he goes, and he cried right on the spot. Yeah. He goes, that's what's inside my heart. I said then give yourself permission to pursue what's really meaningful to you, because that's where you're going to excel. And says, and, and, and that's where you're going to want to study. He said, well, that's what I do study. Yeah. That's what you can't wait to get up in the morning and do. He says, well, that's what I do. I'm doing that, and I'm watching people that are doing that, and they're like my heroes. And I said, well, then give yourself permission to be that. Because what you're doing is you're comparing yourself to other people, and you're thinking, oh, it should be these things, and you're not honoring what it really is inspiring to you to do inside. And he got it. And his mother just put her arm around him. And he was a young man. And he got it. And he says, I want to I, I go and study that. I want to get after it. I said, if you start now at your age, you can build momentum and do amazing things. And the, the girl, she had another thing. She was in conflict between what it is raising two kids and a business. And she was thinking, because most of her friends are out in business, more so than kids, she thinks, I should be doing that. And any time you hear, I should, I'm supposed to, I got to, I have to, I must. Those are imperative languages injected from outer authorities that you're looking up to instead of your heart. And I said, so what do you really want to do? She says, I, well, I, what, I'm, what I really live and I do every single day that I always have time for, even though I say I want to do something in business, I just take care of my kids. Yeah. I said, you really want to take care of your kids right now, mm -hmm. at least at this stage. And we found out that she actually knew in her head that she wanted to do that until they're at least they're five or six years old. Right. Then she's going to do the next thing. But she's trying to push it because she's comparing it to other people yeah. instead of honoring right now, do it. I said, put your heart and soul into these kids until they're five and six. And then when you feel that you've got them into the school system and you've got them into this and you have a little bit of time, you're naturally going to want to do this business. But right now you're trying to force it between, against your own real heart and higher priorities. Yeah. And she, she also got teary-eyed. It's a sign that you really get it and you see it, it's lucid. You get it in the executive center in the brain when you're actually congruent. That's the sign, and so I help people do that. And, and on that, John, you, you know, for some people listening that go and do their value determination test um, online and come out and go, okay, I now know what my top, you know, four or five values are, but I'm running a business or I'm employed, and you know, crap, it's it's not linked to what I'm doing. How can they then go to work every day or go into their business every day still feeling inspired, given whatever their set of values are, no matter what they yeah, are? Yeah, that's a really great. I would say that probably, I'm going to guess, but probably 80% of the population have some varying degree of what you're describing. Mm. They're going to work, um, they have a Monday morning blues, a Wednesday hump days, a thank God it's Fridays, mm -hmm. a week friggin' end, 
instead of a life of inspiration, they have a quiet life of desperation. And they actually go and do work that, uh, to make money so they can then blow the money on the things that are more meaningful to escape. And so they have to go back to work and it's a, it's a, it's a rat race cycle. <laughs> yeah. Instead of doing what you love and getting handsomely paid to do that so you can't wait to go to work and get inspired by it. So I tell people to uh, first def define your values. Go on uh, drdmartini.com and, and it's a complimentary um, value determination process. And I just tell people go on there and, and do it not just once, but do it, sit on it for a week, do it again, and be really objective. Yeah. Don't lie to yourself about what your life is demonstrating. Do a video of your life for a week and you'll see it. Because you're right, I'm going to interject there. A lot of people, when you speak to them, they're like, oh, I know what my values are. They're A, B, C, and D. But then you look at their life or their actions or reactions and, and it's not until you do the test online and, and are honest with yourself do you actually maybe come out with a slightly different answer to what you think yeah, I've, um, I've, your values I were. I had a woman that said that my highest value is my children and we looked at it. Uh, how do you fill your space? Business stuff. <laughs> how do you spend your time? 12 hours a day working and three hours at night working on the business and an hour and 10 minutes on average per day for kids. So she was saying this because of what her mother and what she thinks it should be and the peer pressure and all that instead of what her life was demonstrating. So it's wise to be objective, wise to be honest of that because that's where you're going to get your greatest results. But do that. Once you have defined your top three at least, then make a list of everything you're doing in a day at work. A very thorough not broad general things, accounting, but the actual daily duties that you do, the actual things you do item by item throughout the day in a day. A very thorough list. Now, then if you ask the question, how specifically is doing this going to help me fulfill those top three values? If you look at that and you go, it's not. It's interfering with it. Then you're not going to be engaged. You're not going to be inspired. You're not going to want to be participating in that job. Mm. And so go in there and first to, to do an assessment of how many of those things are engaged and you can see helping you fulfill what you want. If it's lower than, if it's, if it's, if it's not even 25%, my advice is get to get a different job. This is insane. Yeah. But if it's 75%, that means you have a relatively meaningful job. But what you do is you first identify and find out how many of those things are actually connected. And the way you know it's connected, you can fluently answer without having to stop and think about an answer. How is this helping me get that? If, you can, if I asked you, how is doing that activity helping you do what's really most meaningful to you, most important to you? If you can rattle it off fluently, then you can, you're engaged in it. You can yeah. see how it's helping you. And you'll do it spontaneously. But if you're sitting there going, uh, how's it helping me? If you are influent, you're incongruent. Right. So the first thing is determine what's the ratio of fluency and congruency to those things. Mm. And it'll be shocking to you. If you're unfulfilled, you'll see exactly why. You can't see how doing what you're doing is getting you what you want. Nobody goes to work for the sake of a company. They go to work to fulfill their values. If they can't see how their duties are helping them get their values, they're not going to be inspired at work. There's no engagement. Now, the second thing is, if it's not engaged, you have an option. Uh, go and ask the question, how specifically is this action going to help you do it? And now look for it. Go look. How is it going to help you actually fulfill the values? Mm -hmm. If you actually make the link, your brain will remyelinate itself, and now you'll start to see how it's on the way, not in the way, and your level of fulfillment, engagement, and productivity will immediately go up. We've proven this over and over again going into companies and demonstrating this. Now, 
What you do, though, is you ask, how specifically is doing this action going to help me fulfill my type V values, at least temporarily until I can either delegate them or temporarily until I've got my own master plan built about my own new company, about where I'm going, and then how is this job duty right now helping me in my future job? You want to link it to the current one, mm -hmm. and if you know you're going to go on to something different, how's it helping you as a pathway there? Because once you see it on the way, you're no longer drained. You're no longer distracted. Yeah. You're no longer frustrated. You're no longer wanting to escape and go on to the internet to look yeah. or to go eat or consumerism or whatever, which are all distractions. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you're now engaged in it because it's helping you get what you want. And the same thing in learning. Anything you have to learn at work, if you can't see how what you're doing and what you're learning is helping you fulfill what's valuable to you, it'll be short-term memory at best and you'll be frustrated and you'll procrastinate and you'll hesitate and you'll frustrate because it's not meaningful to you. People want meaning in life. And so I guess by doing this exercise and def defining, I guess, what your values are, have you come across where people are like, well, hang on, that's not my values, that's not me? Like, a strange question, but <laughs> I guess in our subconscious, by the sounds of it, lies our values. Um, and we have these, um, whether they're borrowed or these things impressed upon us where we think... Mm you know, I need to have this sort of income, I need to have this sort of wealth, this sort of wife, this sort of life. Um, is it, like, is it a bit scary defining your values because, yeah, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that. No, I know, what you, I, I don't know what you mean. You know, we, we wander around every day and we sometimes are so far into our life, prior to knowing this, let's say, and so preconditioned with whatever it is around us or our parents or who we think we should be, what role we should be playing. It's almost like when you go to do the value determination test, it's like, do you need to do it a hundred times before you actually get beyond the surface of what you think you've been conditioned with or who you think you are and what your actions currently are? How do you get well, to the core of your values? I, and I, when I do it one-on-one -on -one with somebody, I don't have a problem defining right. it. Mm. Uh, they may have their own filters be frightened of facing mm. the reality of their life. Um, Kohlberg, a psychologist, uh, analyzed values and moralities and he found that at the most primitive level we avoid pain and seek pleasure but at another level of moral development we actually subordinate to mothers then fathers then preachers then teachers and then once we get there in the school system and we're getting our teens the social peer pressure of our community group our local little uh, peer group and then larger peer groups eventually the traditions and conventions of society mm. dominate. And majority of people don't transcend that and go on to a transcendent state where they finally realize, I have an independent, I'm here to stand out, not to fit in. Very few people give themselves permission to be themselves. Majority of people subordinate. But all along the way, the reality is that their values are determining how they perceive, they decide, and how they act. So if you look objectively at what their perceptions, decisions, and actions are. Even if they are momentarily, temporarily attempting to live by other people's values, they can't sustain it. Right. I'll use the analogy, and I shared this in my presentation last night. If you've ever been in an infatuation, anybody who's listening, if they've ever been in a moment of infatuation with somebody, real and strong infatuation, they will notice that they will probably sacrifice their normal daily routine and the things that are normally important to them to try to fit in and, and to have that relationship for fear of loss of that thing that you really are kind of addicted to at the yeah. moment. And you'll temporarily sacrifice who you are and your, your, your real identity. 
And, and I think everybody identifies with that experience. But then over the next few weeks, that fades. The infatuation, hedonic adaptation takes over in the brain and there's a fading of that. And all of a sudden, you, there's a part of you that wants to be loved and appreciated for who you are and you want to get back to who you are. And so you can transiently attempt to live in other people's values, but you can't do it consistently long-term. Mm -hmm. So you, if I go back and I look at what your life is demonstrating that's important to you and what your life keeps demonstrating by these 13 value determinants, you get a pretty good indication if you're willing to be honest with yourself about what is really going on, not what you fantasize and not what you should. If you hear yourself saying, I should be doing this, I ought to be doing this, I'm supposed to do this, I gotta do this, I have to do this, I must do this, those are all outer authority injunctions yeah. of other people's values that you've injected because of subordination to those people. When, you, when you're actually authentic, you say, this is what I love doing. This is what I'm inspired to do. Warren Buffett, when they've interviewed him, on many occasions he says that he loves what he does. He tap dance to work. Mm. Okay, well the people I've known that are excelling, that's what they do. Yeah. They, are, they have been congruent and that's why they excel because they build momentum. In Melbourne, Australia, a couple months ago, I was doing the Breakthrough Experience program, which is my signature program that I've done 1,034 times now. And in there, there was a lovely girl, a really dedicated girl to pole vaulting. And she was in the Olympics. And her life was pole vaulting. And so I went through the value determination process with her in the room with all the people there. Because right. I knew that she was congruent. Just to show them the difference between a congruent person and not. So I said, when you, when you go to your room, your personal space, what is dominating your space? Pole vaulting pictures, pole vaulting books, pole vaulting videos, pole vaulting this. I pole vault poles all over the room of me pictures in it, <laughs> me in the newspaper, me getting the gold medal, pole vaulting, pole vaulting, pole vaulting, pole vaulting. People are like going, whoa, this is intense. I said, and now, when you look at your time, in your day, take away your sleep, what is the time you're spending? What are you really spending your time on? And she said a minimum of seven hours a day on pole vaulting. Mm. Minimum of seven hours a day. Wow. Something mentally or physically, pole vaulting. And then I said, so what is it, where is it, what is it that energizes, she says. She says, when I'm going over, that's what energizes me. And I land on my back and I want to put my hands up. She says, that's the most energizing thing I know. I, that's, I live for that. I said, and if you get money, whatever, where does your money go? She says, the most advanced pole vault, <laughs> vaulting <laughs> equipment that I can get, and the best training instead. And she had her coach there, and the coach was the leading coach in, yeah. in Australia. And so we went down the list of the value determinants. There's 13 of them. Yeah. And it was dead center pole vaulting. Every single one of them were dead center. That's why she's a, a medalist. Right. Mm. That's the reason. Yeah. She was congruent. And it was very inspiring to do it. And the whole room just kind of sat there and going, oh. This is the outcome of a congruent, yeah. living congruently. And for some people, John, they, you know, they get clear on their values, they get inspired by their life, they have a driven mission, they go out there and they're like, right, I'm really clear, I know what I want to achieve and I'm inspired to do it on a daily basis. But then we step out into the world <clears throat> tomorrow and we start comparing ourselves to others, to other colleagues or people or um, you know, social media, you name it, friends, and say, oh, geez, you know, they're a competitor or whatnot. I can't do that. I can't achieve that. I can't be that. That can really um, throttle our, uh, taking ourselves or our business to the next level. What can we do in the moments when we are clear on our values and inspired but fear ourselves comparing to others? That's a great question, too. you got good questions. <clears throat> um, 
There's a basic principle, and it it's, goes back to about 1859 by a gentleman named Clausius, who was a physicist, chemist, who basically introduced uh, from his predecessors a summary of the thermo laws of thermodynamics. And these laws, uh, there's a tendency in nature to go from order to disorder, and it's called entropy. The tendency go from order to disorder. So the human mind lives by this principle. If it doesn't fill its day, if you don't fill your day with the highest priority actions that bring order and organization to what is most meaningful to you, which is your highest value, you are designed to undergo entropy. So if you don't fill your day with high priority actions that inspire you, it fills up with low priority distractions at all. Now in the business world, people have called that different things, but Parkinson's law is one of them, that the job right fills up the time allotted because entropy will take over. Yeah. So what happens is uh, that occurs in the way we manage money, how we spend our time, what we think about, what we talk about. That applies to every aspect of our, our behavior. Mm -hmm. So if you don't fill your day with an agenda in advance, with foresight, thought through, of the highest priority actions you can do that day that will help you fulfill what's meaningful, and use the executive center of the brain for strategically planning with foresight and clarity, you're designed to undergo entropy. And entropy shows up in the form of the irresistible giving in to other people's requests during the day. Right. So entropy is really the injected values of other people that you have subordinated yourself to that are now occupying space and time in your mind and your, your fear of rejection makes you want to get in and please everybody on the outside. And that's different than doing what's priority in a way that serves people that's basically take, being taken advantage by opportunists that are injecting their values into you and trying to get what they want. Yeah. So if you don't sit down and say no to the things that are not highest in priority and say yes to that, you're even more vulnerable. And everybody knows that when you have a very inspiring day that's a very high priority day and it's extremely filled, it's easy to say no to people. Yeah. Mm. But if you don't have that pre-thought, pre-planned, you're automatically going to be vulnerable. Now, I'm, I'm here on the... It's not here on this desk, but over on that desk over there, you'll see that I get a, an agenda for the day. Right. And I have people that are hired. We have about 30 people. And they're literally doing media schedules, speaking schedules, consulting schedules. Uh, everything is pre-thought pre out. So I'll get an agenda, sometimes days or weeks in advance, that has every hour filled up. If it, even if it's, this is research time, this is this time. Yeah. And it's filled up, and then throughout the day, when I'm in a hotel, I may get five or six more slid under the door updates as media is coming in and things are happening wow. and consults are coming in. And they know that I won't allow that time not to be filled with the highest priority things because I have an agenda that's listed of priorities and they know the priorities of the priorities. So they know that I will do the professional speaking first. Yeah. They'll know I do a consulting second. They'll know I'll do media third yeah. and I have a priority of the media systems. And it's all laid out and they know it. So they're constantly filling it, and that's their job to make sure that I'm able to maximize my performance in a day. And so I have that agenda that's going. So it's easy to say no to people yes. that aren't in that agenda. Well, I'm glad that we were able to uh, get <laughs> in, get into that. that. Yeah. But, but talking about your agenda, because you're, well, you're this, is, this because I'm not speaking today <laughs> and not consulting, and I'm not consulting in the, at least so far today. <laughs> um, I have media on the on the value and my research. 
Yeah. So the second I'm through with the media today, I'm under my research. Fantastic. Um, so maybe we can just touch, just to give people a taste of sort of what your life is like now and thinking back to the big photo in front of, uh, not, not photo, uh, painting in front of a million people. Um, so maybe you can talk through uh, where, where you live now and we can reference the world, um, but also sort of the next two weeks because you gave me a taste of it before and I'm like, oh my God, what's this guy doing and how at 64... Uh, I mean, my dad's a similar age, and I compare—I I don't want to use the compare word because we've shot that one down. But you know, I look at what you're doing; it's completely different to what what say my my dad's doing. And yeah, I I, um, I I'm leaving here, and I go to Singapore, and then I go Singapore to Warsaw, Warsaw to Lithuania, Lithuania to London, London to Cape Town, Cape Town to Joburg. I think Joburg. I go then into Houston and then Toronto, and then I think Ireland. So that would be the next uh, three or so, four weeks. Wow. And this is not holiday. This is... This is no, I just do it... Well, I, I know this... Some people just don't grasp this, <laughs> but um, the, the, I don't know. This is what I love doing. Mm. This is the holiday. Yeah. And, and, and people don't grasp that. I don't know why. I, well, I, it's hard to grasp it because, you know, we hear that and go, oh, my gosh, we feel exhausted hearing it. You know, you say three or four weeks, that would be most people's travel in their lifetime, you know. Yeah, I... I but this has not worked for you. But this is the dream that I had. Yeah. That is the dream to travel the world. Yeah. And to go to each country and research and share. And I, I mean, I get to meet amazing people. Last night, I got to meet the band. Yeah. We met uh, <laughs> uh, Steel Panther, wow. which is a rock band, a really, you know, on-the-edge rock band. <laughs> And we had a chat with them without a costume and without their wigs and stuff. And um, they're lovely. And I, I, I get to meet amazing people as I travel the world. I've met people in politics. I've met celebrities in Hollywood. I've met people in sports. I mean, I've mm. beautiful supermodels. Yep. I, I, have, I can't say that my life is not enriched. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm very blessed. And I get to see a lot of transformation of people's lives. And I also um, get to go to amazing places. And so I, I really, I don't know, I can't complain about my life. Other people want to, they, they, they're, they're exhausted thinking about my yes. life mm. because they're imagining it through their values. Exactly. And if they imagine it through their values, they would be exhausted because it's not what they want to do and be like, oh, that'd be drudgery. Yeah. I have people go, oh. I had a guy sitting on me on a plane one time and he, would, he got on, I was already sitting there by the window. It was in a, a first class domestic thing. So there's two seats there. I'm sitting there. And the guy comes on and he, and he sits down to me and he says, he puts his stuff there and he says, ma'am, can you get me a, a Daniels or something on the rocks or something like mm -hmm. that? Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, okay, I don't drink. I haven't, I haven't had one glass of wine in 46 years. Almost. Yeah. So he, um, he gets that and he leans back and he goes, oh, God. He says, hi, sir. And I, and I said, hello. And he, and he goes, oh, what a day. Oh, God, I always got to fly and do it. My job takes me, I always do it. So, Oh, thank you, ma'am. Gets his drink. He goes like that. Oh, I need a rest. He says, uh, and he wants to eat, and he wants to, and, 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 he's, and he's just sitting there griping about his job and his life. Yeah. And he's going on and on and on. And I'm sitting there just kind of quiet, not saying much, and just listening to him go on and rant and rant and rant about it. And I'm thinking, I have a different perspective on it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I sometimes get on a plane, and, and uh, there was a time, I don't do it as much now, but there was a time when I would get on a plane either first yeah. and greet people, or get on last and make an entrance. <laughs> and I, I look at it this way, I, I have a button, a beautiful woman usually comes to 
greet me and offers me food or something to drink. And if it's not a pretty one, I just cut the button and let the guy go by. <laughs> and, and I've got a person who's a private uh, jet flyer who's taking me to where I'm wanting to go. Yeah. I'm on my way to going where I want to go to go and speak and do media and impact people. I, I go, I have a different perspective about mm -hmm. that experience. And this guy is, is escaping with alcohol and food, which is a yep. amygdala consumerism response mm -hmm. to an unfulfilled life. And I'm just sitting there and I'm getting my computer out and I get to research. I will usually, before I get on the plane, download a whole lot of research articles yep. so I can use my time effectively if they don't have the uh, internet online and uh, allow me to, to, to keep growing and have new information that I can't wait to share with people. So I, I have a, I've linked the things that I do to my highest values, so I'm inspired to do it. Yeah. So I don't see it as a, as a stress, and I don't get stressed by it because yeah. of it. And John, you're clearly living, as you just demonstrated, in your highest values and a very inspired life on a daily basis. But you're also an extremely disciplined man. I've seen it firsthand, you know, in the moments I've seen you, you're very disciplined with your day, even what you eat and how it fits in. You know, an insight into you and who you are on a sort of micro level, what would be like a non-negotiable, you know, every single day you, you do these certain things? We all know that discipline's a big part of success and achievement. What's John's non-negotiable discipline routines? You know, it's interesting. Um, I don't perceive them as disciplines. Yeah. People do. <laughs> I just perceive them as what I love doing. <laughs> yep. You know, I eat what I love eating. Yeah. I've, I've learned, I, when I was 18, um, I was at Wharton uh, junior college and I, in Texas, and I found on the bookshelves, because I, if I was at the school, if I wasn't in class, I was in the library. Yep. And I was devouring as much reading as I could. I kind of had a goal to read that library. Right. <laughs> and uh, I came across, I had a, a slant towards philosophy and, and um, theology and also um, uh, intellectual pursuits too. So I came across the writings of Gandhi. And he had a, a book called My Experiments with Truth, which I can encourage anybody to, to read. It's a very inspiring book. And he, what he did is he did an inventory of what he did every day, including his eating, his drinking, his conversation, everything he kept an inventory of, which I've been doing now since I was 18. Wow. And I looked at what worked and what didn't work. So I created a chart that is, this is what I ate, uh, this is what I drank, uh, this is the amount I did, this is the time that I did it, this is the physiological responses through the day at different times as a result of it, and the psychological responses and comments. Wow. And I did exactly what he did, uh, and I analyzed that. And for a couple of years, I did that like, you know, very, very meticulously to find out what works and what didn't work for me, what maximizes my energies, what allows me to be most present, mm -hmm. and allows me to get the most done. And that exercise developed uh, a refined observation and habit that was allowing me to be maximize the energy. You, pretty well seven days a week, I'm the consistent energy day every day. So I think that's because of that exercise that helped. Yeah. And I also have learned what works and what doesn't work. You ask every day, what is it you would love to do? Mm. Uh, how do I get handsomely and beautifully paid to do it? Because that way you're not asking how can I afford to live, I want to get paid to live. What are the highest priority actions I can do to make that happen? What obstacles might I run into and how do I solve in advance to mitigate and, and put contingencies in place? Um, to what is it that worked and what didn't work? How do I do it more effectively and efficiently? And how did, no matter what happened today, no matter what it is, how is it helping me fulfill my mission? Right. 
those seven questions have been part of my repertoire since very young. And I find that that allows me to do what works. And some people go, well, why would you not indulge in these things? And people who want to eat sweets and they're unfulfilled and, and this kind of yeah. stuff, they're constantly trying to get you to do it so they don't feel bad about themselves. And I said, I sometimes will say to them, enjoy the sweet. <laughs> you don't have to feel bad just because I'm not drinking and, and eating sweets. Just enjoy the sweet. Yeah. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't perform. If I eat sweets, I notice volatilities. So why would I do that? It's not, it's not productive. And if I drink, that it's, I don't have the same performance. So yeah. why would I want to have low performance in my life? Why would I do that? That doesn't make yeah. any sense. It's illogical to me. And, and you're right. A lot of us would see that as discipline. Maybe yes. listening to this, especially noting uh, down everything. Right, you're hearing that, years. and a lot of people are going, "Oh, that's so disciplined." But you're right; it's just you linking it to your highest values. I that just, is just I want to accomplish what I want to accomplish, yeah. and, and if I if I if I find things that are working, I do them. Mm. If I find things that are less effective, why would I do them? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's illogical. It's a lot of lessons in that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I could just listen forever, but I know that you need to get on the way, and I'm probably in your way to sort of paraphrase no, you're helping me <laughs> fulfill what I'm missing. So, um, so, so for the guys listening in, they want to get on the way. They're probably in their own way, just to paraphrase you again. Um, what is the one thing that you could share with them for them to get on the way to their highest value? Well, you just said it by the very thing, the very question, mm -hmm. what is the one thing? You know, Gary Keller, who has Keller Williams Corporation, wrote a book called The One Thing. Yes, that is amazing. And I've had the opportunity to speak for his organization, and so I, I can relate to this. That is a great question to ask yourself. Imagine this, just imagine that when you get up in the morning and you go through your basic routines and now you're ready to start your day, and you're asked, what is the one thing, the highest priority, one most important thing I could be doing right now to help me fulfill my mission. What's most important to me in my life? And if you ask that, and you pursued it, and, and, and don't make it a project, what is the highest priority one thing, which is an action step that I can do within a day, chunk it down into small bites, because it's baby steps that make big dreams. Piggy banks become biggie banks. The one thing I can do right now that I can accomplish right now, immediately, that can help me fulfill my mission. If you ask that, and the second that's completed, you ask, and now what is the next highest priority, one thing I can do? Yeah. As long as you're staying on priority, I guarantee you're gonna build momentum. Uh, Jim Collins said it's incremental changes, not this one big fix that makes businesses successful, and I think there's truth in that. Mm. So by doing incremental, highest priority actions, and making that a discipline, like flossing your teeth or brushing your teeth, that is a wise thing to do on a daily basis. Now, I've done that. I, I have to share a story. I hope you don't mind. About, God, 31 years ago or so, I was speaking to Mary Kay Cosmetic Organization, where Mary Kay was actually there, and 4,500 women were there. And I was the only man in the entire audience. Wow. So I was in, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. And uh, there were 4,500 women there. And after the speech, I had the opportunity to actually meet with Mary Kay, Mary Kay Ash. And she was a lovely, very gracious woman with her hair really nicely perfect and just really gracious. And I asked her, what advice could you give a young, aspiring speaker who would love to travel the world and to, to share? And she smiled and very graciously, very elegantly. She said, every day, write down the six or seven 
highest priority actions you can do that day, actions that day, that can be completed that day, and then go do them in priority, at the end of the day, be grateful for that, reward yourself in whatever is most meaningful for you. And if you, for some reason, get those done early, then add the one next thing that's highest in priority. So I did that on index cards, three by five index cards, because right. I thought this is a true uh, wise thing. And I wrote them down in index cards, and I carried that with me in index cards. You might do it on a cell phone now, the to-do thing. Yeah. And I put that in there, and I wrote them down, and I stored the cards at the end of the day. And I made sure that they, they got done. I didn't want to do something, write something down that I wouldn't do that day. I stored them in boxes, and I accumulated them. They came in 1,000 box, 100 pack yeah. systems. And what, after I finished them, I put them away. And then after a couple of years of doing this, I pulled out that box and I went through and I want to know what is the highest priorities of the highest priorities of the highest priorities that kept showing up consistently. And so I put the first card and I wrote it down on a, on a pad, a big yellow pad, and I tossed the card. I took the next one and I wrote down the differences because two of them were different, five of them were the same. Right. I put line, 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 line on the five and I added the two new ones. I took the next card out and I kept doing that until all of them were absorbed and I saw what was the highest ones that showed up that were the most line, 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 slash, line, 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 slash. Yeah. And I found out there were four off the chart and the rest of them were occasionals. Yeah. And I realized they were the priorities of the priorities. So I, and I, then I realized when I did the value determination process, they were the same. Right. That's when I realized how values were. And, I, and it came down to research, write, travel, teach. So then once I did that, I said, okay, those are the things that are most productive, most meaningful, yeah. most inspiring to me. I'm going to delegate everything else off my plate. So I, it took me a while, to, it didn't happen overnight, but I kept uh, delegating lower priority things and putting people in place. Sometimes I go through two or three people to get that person finally. Yep. But I built a team around me. Overnight success takes time. <laughs> I built a team around me and I let it go. And today I research where I travel teach. And literally off the plate, because I know you, you I don't do the rest of it. Uh... I haven't driven in 27 and a half years. <sighs> I haven't cooked since I was 24. Yeah. Uh, everything is delegated. I joke that uh, anything that I'm not proficient in and masterful of, I delegate. Anything that devalues me, I delegate. Mm. And so I, I jokingly say that. My girlfriend doesn't like this, but I, I say even lovemaking, I delegate because that's not where I've got the greatest expertise. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I have one last question, John. You know, you say that you know, the greatest way is to start your morning, obviously, listing your highest priorities for the day, obviously saying, and you know, just as importantly, saying no to the low priority distractions as well. What do we do you know, on a daily basis when we start out our day that way, but we're human and we fall off the wagon, we, we have a sugar spike or we drink too many coffees or we end up doing getting distracted by low priority things. What's the quickest way we can, we can flick back into um, living in our highest values or, or flick back into being back on track for the rest of the day? You're, you may not like the answer, but um, <laughs> what happens is if you're being distracted, what you thought was the highest priority thing, wasn't it? You don't get distracted from your highest priority thing. You get distracted by, see, if you set up an artificial thing that you think it should be, you'll get distracted by something that is more meaningful. In fact, last night, a young lady also came up to me, a different lady, and she came up to me and she says, I can't stay focused, I keep getting distracted. And I said, and what do you get distracted by? Well, I'm actually getting distracted by connecting with people 
on, in social media. And I said, okay. And I did some of the things. I stayed with her for a while last night. And I sat down and I did some value determination. And what she thought she was being distracted by was actually higher on her value list than what she thought was highest. And that's why you have to be objective about the values, because sometimes you put in there what you want it to be, yeah. what you hope it will be, and it, that's where you're going to get distracted, because it's not really important to you. You just think it is. You think it should be. And distractions do not occur unless something is higher on your values. Mm. So I, I explain to people that what you call a distraction is actually giving you some indication of what's highest on your value, what's really higher on your value that you're not honoring. Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, if I get distracted, uh, on the internet, as people would say, it's only because I found an article that's even more important to me to study right now than what I was actually focusing on. Something came in on, on the, the internet that's a new yeah. research. I have 19 researchers around the world in different specialties, in anthropology and astrophysics and biology and different theories, medicine, and they're constantly sending me the top research. Because when I meet somebody that's extraordinary in a field, um, there's a gentleman here named Peter Brody, who's an, is a quantum physicist, and he's basically right at the cutting edge of quantum physics computers. So anytime there's an article in that field, he sends it to me, it'll come in. If I'm coming in and I see the title of that and I, and I get distracted, it's only because I think that that moment, that's going to help me get where I want to get more than what I'm doing right now. Mm. That's not a distraction. Mm. It, it's, it's a perception. But if you get addicted to a form and think, oh, it's supposed to be this form, yeah. it should be this form, you're going to think that this is a detraction. So knowing your real priorities, you'll find that you're just acting according to what's priority because every decision is based on what you think is important at that moment. Yeah. But we just don't know ourselves. Yeah. That's why yeah. know thyself, be thyself, love thyself. It's an old proverb. Totally. Fantastic. Well, yeah, I wanted to say, you know, th thank you very much for, for making the time to talk to the listeners today. I'm really happy to um, partner with Jack and looking forward to the future episodes as well and the yeah, excitement sorry. around that. Um, so for people that are listening in um, and they want to know more about you, uh, they want to hop online, they'll do the values test, but how do they come and see you in person? It might be a question for both of you. but um... Well, it depends on where I'm in the world. Yeah. If they're in <laughs> Australia, they can contact Jack. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the value determination test, which you just mentioned, that's drdmartini.com, definitely. Yeah. And I think we've definitely all learned from this podcast that they need to get that really clear. And then in regards to the live events, to come and see John um, mm -hmm. live somewhere in Australia. I mean, you're out here about four times a year. They could, they could catch him live in one of the cities. And that'll be at jackgrows.com. Yeah. Right, fantastic. So, so if I'm in Australia, that's the place. But if they go on the line, drdmartini.com, and they go on and do the value determination, I don't know of anybody that's done that that wasn't thankful for that. Right. Take advantage of that. And if you're in Australia, which I'm assuming most of the people are that yes. are playing, um, like like uh, Samantha just mentioned, that I'm here usually about four or five times a year, yeah. and we do evening events, and uh, that's a way they can I can actually get to meet them personally, because yeah. I stick around yeah. and hugs and pictures and chat with people, yeah. and try to answer questions. So. Uh, just know that, that you're, you're on a mission. You have a dream to make a difference in people's lives. You're an entrepreneur, and you deserve to do something extraordinary with your life because the real you is extraordinary. So hopefully what we've shared today on values will be helpful to you because I, I know that if you go and do the value determination and start prioritizing your life, you'll say thank you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for the opportunity for us to be on your show. And thank you for thank making you. it possible for me to do my presentations yeah. in Australia. 
and um, give yourself permission to do something extraordinary on planet Earth. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Dr. John, John Martini. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you for listening to The Mental List with your host, David Lewis. If you like what you're hearing on The Mental List, the best way to support the show is to just take a few seconds to leave a rating and or comment over on iTunes. You can also find further information about this show and links to further episodes at mentorlist.com.au. Until next time, this is The Mentor List. <laughs>